Good evening, lunatics. It's time for another fun-filled episode and adventure on the Blue Ribbon Podcast. January 15th. Wow, we're already two weeks in to 2023. Crazy. Um, <clears throat> we don't, we've been talking all day about what we're going to talk about. Um, I'll give you some foreshadowing. <laughs> On the 28th of January, we will be doing a special episode with our good friend, Steve Wheeler. And Steve has extensive knowledge uh, about taxes and accounting and LLC and sole proprietor. I mean, he is a walking encyclopedia of this stuff. I've already got that episode posted, um, not really because I'm all that great of a producer, uh, mainly because I thought that episode was tonight and not two weeks from now. So I had already posted it. So, um, but it's up there. Um, so if you have any question about taxes and accounting and S Corp and LLC and all of that stuff, y'all better be here. Set your calendar for the 28th, which is a Saturday, by the way. And, and it's an hour earlier. It's at 8 o'clock. Okay, I'll have to fix that too. <clears throat> um and uh, but that's going to be a, a, a just an absolutely packed uh, episode of information that you are going to want to hear. And I'm pretty much just going to play producer on that one. I'm just going to step back and let the numbers guys just just go at it. And I'll just be back in the background and uh, I'll be watching. Um, well, we're going to keep you the whole episode, and he's going to he's going to answer comments. So get your questions lined up. And that's what we also remember. He's a BCA. He won the truck last year. He's a mm -hmm. he's a fair haired, uh, you know, guy from Landstar, and um, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a brand new Volvo 780 to prove it. Um, but uh, no, he got a Freightliner. He bought a Volvo. He got a Freightliner. Got, got the Cascadia. Okay. Yeah. 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 So um, so anyway, he's a, he's a he's a accountant in a former life, BCO in his sunset career. And uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. We had, I had him on early in uh, the uh, the 50s, the episodes. Somewhere 50s, in there. Because Chris was out one night, and I, ha I had him on as a special guest. So, um, but I think that was back when we were audio only, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, yep. uh, this will be, obviously, a regular podcast. And we'll be, we'll, be we'll be coming to you from West Virginia because we'll be doing our first uh, orientation session of the new 2023 masterclass program. And um, speaking of which, I think we're going to do next weekend, we're going to bring you all up to speed on our the, the different components and the different details of our 2023 masterclass for, um, for the for program uh, participants. And then we're also going to talk to uh, potential truck uh, owners uh, who want to bring trucks here, and uh, of course BCOs who want to uh, look into our mentoring. So um, anyway, next week will be very busy uh, as well, and the week after that, remember it's Saturday night, eight o'clock, uh, with Steve. Tonight we have a clue. We have we have no clue what we're going to talk about because uh, our producer here thought that Steve was coming tonight, so we uh, are are woefully unprepared. Uh, but that's never stopped us in the past, so. Um, <clears throat> I I do have something. I'm gonna make a note here, right quick, to adjust time on Steve. Okay, so I remember to do that because I've got it set for nine. 
I do have something uh, I was thinking about that I could bring up, and then we can do. Well, let's talk about our sponsor first. You do the sponsor plug, and then I'll uh, I'll talk about what I was thinking about today. We are we are proudly sponsored by Pittsburgh Power. Um, Pittsburgh Power. If you don't know much about them, they're a diesel performance uh, company, supplier, and shop. <coughs> uh, extensive. Um, um, expertise in ECM uh, tuning and anything electronic as well as of course a full Cummins and Detroit uh, diesel shop and um, they uh, uh, bought OPS a couple years ago and uh, we were an OPS uh, distributor prior to that and still are and uh, since our uh, our um, our uh, relationship with Pittsburgh Power, we've also become a distributor of their max mileage airborne or fuelborne catalyst. If you're not familiar with that product, if you're driving a truck that has any kind of emissions on it, EGR all the way up to current, um, running the max mileage will, it will, will, will keep soot from accumulating in your components, um, prevent all the problems, emission problems that you're having. If you already have uh, soot built up, uh, we can recommend that you do what we call a diesel force cleaning and get it cleaned up, and then run the max mileage after that will eliminate your, you know, your soot-related uh, emissions problems. Um, so uh, we want to thank Pittsburgh Power. We hope that you guys will give them your business and let them know where you heard about it, if, uh, if you would, please, um, so we can continue to, to enjoy our relationship with them. <coughs> so... Uh, Richie, um, I'm always quieter than Chris. Okay, so. <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> so here's what I was thinking about today. Um, one of the frustrations that I experience through um, this program is in my interactions. Is and I. I was trying I'm trying to I'm trying to understand it because obviously people are going to make mistakes, they're going to do things wrong. That's why we're here to teach. Um but we have to fight against this idea that becoming an owner operator is just buying yourself a job. We don't want you to do that. Now you can certainly do that. I mean, you can, you can buy yourself a better deal where you're in control um, and you can run things at your own pace as long as your business is healthy, which is usually what gets people in trouble. They run it at their own pace, but not at the pace that their business needs to run at. And then at the first sign of trouble, they end up going belly up. Um, but I think maybe it is that... I would really like for people to embrace the idea, the philosophy that being self-employed is a form of liberty and autonomy that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and I feel like in the, in the rat race of American society, the way that the external forces, be it education or media or television or whatever, news or whatever, whatever it is that brings the information to us can lead us into a, a, a kind of slave mentality versus a servant mentality. 
right? We want you to be servants. We want you to have a customer-focused attitude where if you will do things for others, it will benefit you. But if you are the focus, if you're the single focus of your decisions, a lot of times you're not going to make the best decision with this guy, the BSE 9000, um, because you have to put others' needs ahead of your own, okay? But, but well, you're talking about liberty and autonomy. Well, yeah, <clears throat> but, you know, I experienced all through – there's two examples I can give of this, okay? So all through this this whole pandemic thing, there were things that that nobody could force me to do because of my relationship with Blue Ribbon and the fact that I had set myself up to be in a position to where my value was dependent on what I did for uh, things for other people. And as long as I was doing those things, none of that other stuff that was mattered, all right? Now, I don't know how Larry... Um, feels about this, but to me, this was so huge. And you may say, you may think this is insignificant, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. But when you first told your story about getting your CDL and you went to that first company in Alabama or something, and you looked around and something didn't feel right, something didn't seem right, and you went, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I'm out. To me, that stood out as as that as that autonomy and liberty that most people don't have a lot of people will be like well i've i've decided to come to this company i've spent my last dime now i have to do it i don't have another option i can't back out i can't go another direction but because of your years of business because of your personal wealth because of your ability to look at things and go okay i'm looking around i don't like what i see here so i'm out and then you went and found a better deal, which was Transport America. Um, that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's the ability to change the direction that you need to go because you have the liberty to do so. You know, we've had we've built relationships with agents that had regular freight, and then we went. You know what? This isn't beneficial to us anymore. We're going we're gonna to go a different direction. And we fired a customer, you know. Uh, we have a whole episode. Sometimes you have to fire a customer. And I just, I wish we could get people to grasp that as much as they do. I want to be in business or be an owner-operator because I want to be the boss or I want more money. But there's a, there's a liber, I'm going to use this word, forgive me, little L, libertarian principle, meaning just liberty, not big L libertarian, little L libertarian, okay? Um, but it's a principle of liberty that gives you the room and the space to be able to do what you need to do for your business and not ever be locked in like truck leases. That's not liberty. That's slavery, Right. You've got to be able to embrace that. But it's scary because, you know, that comes with this uh, responsibility to do the right thing at the right time. Um, and, and, and sometimes you have to take a chance, which is why we talk about measuring risk. So before I jump off into some wormhole, but, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like I, I want people to recognize the liberty as much as they do 
the financial reward or uh, or the wealth aspect that that you've got to be thinking about that that liberty and autonomy <laughs> that you can create as a business owner because you can get in positions and Larry's in a lot of that where you can tell somebody to pound sand and it they can't hurt you if you need to get out of a bad relationship or, or a toxic relationship you can just say look I'm out I bounce well going back to the to the incident that you're referring to back when I first got my CDL I think I think the key there there is, and and it, and it applies to everybody that we work with here. You know, I was I was prepared. I had experience. Certainly knew what I was getting myself into from a business standpoint. I had no idea what I was getting myself into in terms of driving a truck. Um, but I knew um, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wouldn't want. I knew what I would. I knew what I could do. I knew what I wouldn't do. Um, and so I had the ability to, to, um, judge the people that normally in most cases are judging you, you know, um, you know, a lot of people we, we talk to, they, they, even the people that are working for a 1099, you know, they feel like that's the only, only out they have, you know, they, they don't have another option because of their driving record or their whatever the case may be. But the whole thing that we, that we teach here is, is prepare yourself to be in business. You know, that, that's the thing that, well, that's what you talked about early on. It, being an owner-operator is not buying a truck. Being an owner-operator is, is going into business and, and being prepared to go into business. And being prepared to go into business doesn't mean that you go have all your credit cards in your hand and then go uh, lease, purchase a truck, and use credit cards to, to pay for whatever comes up. That's not being prepared. Um, so I had that option. I had that, that uh, liberty uh, to make that decision because I was in a position to where I was prepared to go into yet another business. Um, and that's why we tell guys that we talk to, slow down, take, take it, take, you know, our, we, we advise everybody, find a good job that you can endure, that you can show up at that and where you're and, and, and if you're driving a truck, there's no reason you can't be making really good money. Uh, in case you guys haven't heard about it yet, everybody's looking for drivers, you know, <laughs> um, I know it's a well-kept secret, but, um, so, you know, and, and save your money, you know, save your money so that. When it comes time, you can make the decisions. You have the choices instead of people only giving you this option or that option. Or you look at it and go, well, you know, I, I don't have any other choice. You know, I, we, we've, I, we've talked to people recently that have bought trucks. Well, I, I had, I, that was the only choice I had. No, no, that's not. No, it's not your only choice you had, you know. Um, as, far, as near as I can tell, there's, they don't hold guns to your head, you know, at truck dealerships, you know. Uh, you make those decisions. So it's just all about preparing yourself to make this big leap. Most people don't understand the leap that it takes. You know, they downplay that. Oh, that's bullshit. You know, I, you know, I can do, you know, and, uh, you got to, you got to, we got to have money to make money. You got to have make money to whatever it is. You know, you got to borrow money to make money, all that bullshit. You know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it's, it's being prepared, you know. Now, does do occasionally somebody like that make it? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, but the statistics are 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 way against those people uh, that that uh, that that aren't prepared. You know, 
the vast majority of them are going to fail, um, especially um, after this, you know, this um, rate crisis and fuel price crisis that we've dealt with in 2022. Uh, that's going to continue on in 2023. Probably not the fuel so much, but who knows? Who knows what Biden's going to do next? He <laughs> might give all of our oil away to China. I don't know. They might, I promise they you, he to, don't. I promise you, he don't know. He may have to give it up as as ransom for all those documents that he's found somewhere. <laughs> so who knows? But the the point is, you know, you, you this is a big big step. You know, we've said before, there's plenty of money to be made in, in trucking. Plenty of money to be made, but you got to do it the right way. You know, and the whole the, this whole lunatic thing is about giving you a better prepared way of of doing this. Now, you know, here they come. Oh, you you can only you can only make money in trucking if you drive an old truck. No, that's we don't ever say that. You know, if it's your first truck, we recommend that you do it that way because it minimizes the risk. You know, um, listen, we we talk to people all the time. All right. And I'm not going to use a lot of names, but, you know, we talked to um, a, a couple just in the, in the past couple weeks, you know, that were looking for our advice. Now, they probably didn't like what they heard, <laughs> but you don't have to spend $175,000, 35 of it cash out of your pocket to, to drive a truck, okay? That's mm-hmm. your decision, you know? We've proven it over and over and over again. You don't have to spend that kind of money, you know. And then a $5,000 a month truck payment, along with about another $2,500 for the month worth of insurance premiums, you know, you could have taken the $35,000 and paid cash for a truck and be putting that money in your pocket right now. So, you know, it's it's just doing things... Um, Doing things from a more mature, uh, responsible uh, approach rather than desperation, you know? There's no reason to be desperate. You, you can find a job. and if, if My God, you, you, could, you could leave here in the morning and be hired by noon at, a, at any number of 1,000 trucking companies, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, making sixty, seventy, eighty, dollars $100,000 a year, all right? So um, what? there's no reason to be desperate. Take your time and prepare yourself. So anyway, not sure if I addressed all the things you want me to address, but. Um, yeah, well, here's, here's a good question. It goes along with this from Evan. Has there ever been a situation where you guys used your liberty and the consequences turned worse than you thought? That's always my worry in a business. Um, we have... So when we first got together and I first came to work for Larry, I picked the truck up at a Detroit dealership. And Larry would say back then, well, listen, I want the certified professional. <laughs> Sorry, I can't say it without laughing. I want the certified professionals. I can get warranty work in any place if they do the rebuild. Um, and so over time, obviously, you know, when we had to start taking the truck to a TA mechanic to get it fixed and unscrew what was happening at the, at the dealerships. Um, but we've had to make a lot of decisions on the fly because when a truck gets wrecked or it breaks down in BFE, then you have to go, okay, well, and that was, that was really scary for me when I, and it kind of officially became the fleet manager. Um, 
And and I told a guy I was in Columbus last week, and I was just trying to reach out, make new relationships with shops. And the guy was like, "Well, what are you looking for?" And I said, "Well, at this point, I am more confident at picking a random name from Google Maps to come and work on my truck than I am taking it to an established shop." And his eyebrows kind of raised a little bit. I said, because my record so far, I mean, the, the, the records, with the exception of that one $1,500 air conditioner guy down in Nashville, um, I've had better luck just with a random name from Google um, showing up, do, fixing the truck, not charging uh, ridiculous rates, you know, not any more ridiculous than the Steelership. Um, but you know, I don't need anybody's permission when it's time to make that call, you know? Um, and I, so, I mean, that's, that's a big form of Liberty. You know, if you're in a truck lease, um, you're beholden to them, or if you're God help you leasing it from a carrier, um, you don't have that choice because it's not your truck. It's their truck. You know, you're just a, a glorified company driver. You're paying and for so you, form. You're paying yeah, for it. And, and, and you don't, all the maintenance. Yeah. yeah. But you don't have the liberty to really decide uh, to take it to Carl, for example, uh, instead of going to where they want you to go with it. Uh, now, we do run into that quite a bit with Landstar Trailers um, because it's not our trailer. We're, they, they're, they're giving us that trailer to use at no cost. Um, so when something goes wrong with it, I've got to call them, and they're going to decide who's coming and when, and uh, and so that can turn into a bad situation. Well, but, I think I think I think to to get it away from trucking and and just in general terms, yeah, that's the thing. That that's that's the thing about having the liberty or the freedom to make your own decisions. You're going to make some wrong ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've made some. I mean, we I've listen. I've made some doozies in my life. <laughs> um, but that's how you learn. That's that's exp- that, that's experience. You there you you can have all the freedom you want to, okay, but until you have the experience, it's still there's still landmines you can step on, okay, um, and they can hurt real real bad. Um, but that's what entrepreneurs are at heart. You know they realize that the landmines are out there, and they look at the terrain and they go you know what what's on the other side is worth it for me to try to avoid the landmines and get there that that's that's why everybody's not cut out to do this i don't mean this i mean being in business being Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur you can't necessarily i don't believe acquire entrepreneurship i think you you have it in your gut now you might have to you might have to pull it out. You might have to, you know, let it let it kind of, you know, um, make itself known. Um, people have that inside of them, the, the, the desire to do something more than just what somebody else says you can do. Um, and, uh, and and so, yeah, there, there, there's, believe me, I mean, I, we say this all the time. Landstar is the place that I would choose to be regardless, okay? And and the, and and the, it's not perfect, but it's the, it's the place I would go. Are the problems here? Yeah, yeah. Can you come here and make mistakes? Absolutely. You know, the opportunity is guaranteed. The results are not. And that's the same thing with entrepreneurship. 
the opportunity is there. You know, that's the one thing about being in this country is the opportunity exists. Uh, but as long as we keep the government out, the winners are not chosen. The winners are decided by the market. And so there's, that doesn't mean that your product's going to make it. I mean, look at all the millions of products that don't. Uh, watch Shark Tank every once in a while, you know. Mm-hmm. Find, look, look at Shark Tank and, and look, go look up the products that they actually invest in. And many times those products are gone, even with the shark behind them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there, so Evan, there's, there is no guarantee. It's only the opportunity to, to allow you to try the things that you want to try, you know, to get where you want to go. Now, what the way you, mo- you the way you you mitigate that though is in our case we've got a proof of concept we've got a proven product that has worked you know that eliminates a lot of the risk you're not the pioneer you're just sort of the explorer you know you're following the foots of other of other people and the footsteps of other people um, you know preparing yourself before you go you know so that if something if you do have a consequence it doesn't kill you. It only hurt, you know, hurts your knee for a few steps, and then you get over it and you go, oh, "I'm not going to do that again," you know. <laughs> so, but that's 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 what make that's what make entrepreneurs get get up in the morning, is the uh, the very thought of that. So, um, you know, it's 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 not a bad thing. It's 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 what it's what uh, motivates people to to. I mean, go back into the industrial age. All the inventions that we enjoy today, you know. Uh, look at look at all the failures. I mean, Thomas Edison is the perfect example. You know, everything he did was a failure. You know, yep. <coughs> and then he invented the light bulb. So, um, you know that that's just that's the path of an entrepreneur. You know, um, listen, everything I've done is not turned to gold. Okay, I've uh, there's some turds back there behind me. Okay, <laughs> so um, and there's some turds since we've gotten together. We just don't talk about them very much because usually there's a name attached to them. But um, <laughs> but everything's not going to work out like you think it is, okay? It's not. And that's, that's part of being successful is being able to recognize that, turn on a dime, you know, and, uh, and, and make, that, make that call. That's why CEOs make so much money is because they have the ability to turn on a dime and make a call that, may, that saves that company or, or not, you know, so. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that um, what makes us different, okay? I was watching uh, I was watching a Tim Gentry video today. He's the guy's got a truck company down in Tennessee, and their shop caught on fire. And something he said in one of the videos, he you know they they're basically going back to basics because they lost their shop, they lost all their tools, and so now all they have is the trucks. And he's like, okay, well, back to basics. We're going to get all the trucks and trailers. We're going to run. We're going to make money. Uh, we're going to just focus solely on that. And he was talking about, you know, getting a driver. And, well, I had this driver coming, and he was going to drive this one specific, really pretty, shiny Peterbilt. Well, <clears throat> most of the time when you're trying to recruit, you want to give them all the positives. You want to sell them sunshine and rainbows. Hey, come on over here. Look at our benefits package. Look at our pay package. Look at our tra- – oh, everything. Look at the shiny trucks. And, you know, we've got – fancy mattresses and that you're trying to give them all this sunshine we don't do that we get you in front of them and say okay now here's what's going to suck about this right here's what's going to be difficult and we rip the band-aid off and we expose to you hey you're going to be in some tough situations 
but we're going to walk you through that, and we're going to show you how we solve those problems. Because if you don't have that reality check, and you come and we don't tell you, you know, that trucks will break down or loads will cancel or, you know, uh, <clears throat> you book a load for a damn Conestoga and it's eight inches too wide and now you're stuck for the weekend, you know, I mean, that stuff's just going to happen. Um, and so it's a, it's a kind of a reality check to come through our program, you know, um, because I will tell you on day one that this will be very difficult. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. Um, and then you're going to get into some situations where maybe you're the only answer, you know, Hey, you need a wrench or a mm -hmm. screwdriver or something. Um, now, and I've got it. If you went through seal training, mm -hmm. it's probably the second hardest thing you've ever done. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're probably not harder than that. Yeah. Well, I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of seals in here. So, um, you never know. Uh, and also, by the way, uh, this mic is exactly the same age as his, okay? It didn't oh, come yeah. out of the 70s, whoever that was. <laughs> yeah, that, was is, my, is my mic still different than his? Somebody, somebody gave I turned it on on my phone, and it sounds exactly the same now. But I did turn you up some on my side. Okay, all right. So, uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Oh, that was rocky. Um, well, his, 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 his <laughs> computer's probably from the 70s. Yeah, right. Um, it's just, I don't know. It, it, we want people to experience the, all of the positives that come from, uh, what was it Seth said the other day? People, if, if it wouldn't be so hard if people weren't so peopley, you know, um, it, because you you have to deal with, um, you <laughs> have to. He said if it wasn't so peopley. Yeah, that was his phrase. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Because it comes down to the point, there are no excuses. There's nobody else to blame. There's no a higher authority to reach out to. Um, it's you and the problem, and you're going to have to face it. Um. Uh, let's see. What, what is this question? Good evening. Is it a game killer when booking a load? If I am not able to deliver a load on a Friday night or a Saturday morning. Well, that I'm, I'm wondering if that means if you, if you have a load that I don't completely understand the question. I mean, I, Friday I he, delivering, I think he's referring to our our booking uh, strategy. You know, uh, I mean, we we our strategy is to pick up a load on Friday and deliver it on Monday, right? Uh, because most places aren't available on the weekend. So if that's what you're talking about, we we break our week down into basically four days plus a weekend. We want to deliver, pick up, and deliver four times, and then on Friday pick up and deliver on Monday. Take the load either home with you or on your thirty-four hour reset with you. Deliver Monday morning, if that's what you're talking about. Uh, I, you're probably going to clarify that a little bit for us to understand. I mean, it, I won't. I can tell. You, I can say this way: I won't book a load that delivers Friday night or Saturday morning. It's right. too disruptive to the formula that we have, which is what he said. Pick up and deliver every day, Monday through Friday. And you're resetting 
on the weekend load. Um, but it's <clears throat> Saturday deliveries scare the crap out of me because unless it's a direct customer, but if it's a broker load, uh, I, that, you know, it's like holidays. You know, I had that with a guy, um, Christmas week. Um, he picked up on Friday and they said, well, the load's going to deliver on the second, which was Monday. And I'm like, yeah, I bet not. No, 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 no. I checked. So I called the customer. And they're like, no, we're closed on Monday. And I'm like, see, told you so, you know. And so that load was an extra day, but it didn't have the rate to cover it, but it was the only thing that we could get at that point. So, um, uh, you know, you business, most business, which is who you're going to as a driver, they operate 8 to 5 Monday through Friday. You know, so, and then of course, you know, I I won't take a delivery that's like late on Thursday because I'm I'm that meeting up that whole day and not able to reload. So, um, I just I kind of avoid unless it's big money, you know, if it's huge money, yeah, hell yeah, I'll do whatever you want to. But there ain't much big money on the board right now. So, um, but it, it, we it, always we always do the the reset too. We don't run recap because right. it's too difficult. To, you know, you're wanting to book loads three, four, five days ahead. Well, I need to know that you've got the hours to do it. So if you reset every weekend, I know you got a fresh 70 Sunday night or Monday morning. So uh, I don't have to worry about trying, because trying to book loads in the Landstar system four or five days in advance running on recap is a nightmare. And I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, th- I think his question boils down to whether or not the, the weekend loads count against his daily average, you know. <clears throat> Uh, not delivering on a Friday and having carrying on the Monday, that makes that load. We call the weekend a, a, a half a day, okay? Or yeah, a day, day and, and a half. half. Day and a half. So you have to add that to the whether or not you took. If the load delivers on Monday and you picked it up on Thursday, yeah, that would be a problem because it would have to have it would have to be two and a half days worth of revenue for you. So if you picked it up on Friday though and didn't deliver to Monday, it's one and a half days. So I I. I I'm not sure we're understanding the problem, but I'm trying to cover all the possibilities I can think of. Um, yeah. But if you're picking on Thursday and you can't deliver to Monday, that's a two and a half day load. It's got to be 2.5 times what your daily rate is for it, for it to work. So. Right now, our week our weekday rates 1450 and our weekends 2175, and that gets us to 8,000. Right. Um. Uh. <clears throat> Uh, question. If I know a couple of direct customers within my area, can I can try to connect them with agents to book loads? Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you can pick any, any agent. Um, and you know, it would be nice if a sales force of 11,000 existed, but most of them don't give a damn, you know, um, well, clarify that, that, that I understand your sarcasm, but they won't. Right. Well, so, you know, you have BCOs going into customers every day. There's 11,000 of them. I mean, imagine the sales force if you had people that were focused on serving customers and connecting yeah, but with it's agents. Not my, it's not my job, okay? Right. It's not my job. My job is to deliver the freight <clears throat> and not tell you where I am. Question, how are late rates at Landstar for you guys? Um, I mean... I've been pleased with the first couple of weeks of the month. Um, 
you know, we adjust, we adjusted our minimum down from 10,000 to 8,000, but, um, you know, but just Landstar, Landstar has nothing to do with the rates. The rates at Landstar are the same as the rates anywhere else. Okay. Right. There's no, that, 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 that's, that's a, that's a myth. That's a myth. I'm going to Landstar because they got really good rates. Or they got, I mean, look, rates. our, yeah. our direct <coughs> customers, um, you know, ha- we have good contract rate. I mean, that, there's no doubt about that. We have some we have some loads still that are contract rates that are, you know, big, big, big money. Um, but you know, until when I'm until they get renewed this year, yeah. <clears throat> and I've already seen that. You know, we've seen some lanes go away that we used to count on. We've seen rates get reduced. Um, but you got to remember. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not looking at rate per mile when I'm picking a load. I'm looking at rate per day, mm. you know? So if it's $1,450 and I can pick it up and del- today and deliver it tomorrow, I'm going to book it. And if it's 2175 or more and I can pick it up on Friday and deliver it on Monday, I'm going to book it. I don't really care. You know, now if it's $5 a mile and I only have to go 300 miles, well, sure, that's great. Um, but the um the I, you know I, I just i don't we don't focus on things that a lot of drivers focus on and a lot of drivers don't focus on the things that we focus on you know um we we are our money is consistent um you know we had a $10,000 goal per week per truck last year and i think we we hit 83% of that goal right 83 yep. Um, I mean, <clears throat> that's a passing grade as far as I can tell, 83%, uh, especially given a volatile market. Um, and really, you know, you got to think we've got a lot of really inexperienced people. Um, it would be one thing if Larry and I were out there doing it, um, you know, but you know, you could probably look at, you know, Richie probably has a higher percentage than somebody else does that doesn't have his experience you know um so the more experience you get the more you know the better you get at it um i i don't have any doubt that if i didn't have this the responsibilities of running the fleet and with my experience level and i had a truck and trailer and just going to run for eight i could still do 8500 to 9500 every week right now be home on the weekend um uh, but that's my experience level, you know. Now, if you don't have my experience level at managing your hours of service and um, and picking the right loads to go to the right places, uh, you, you probably show able to do that. But so that's why we have this master class. Um, so, uh, I mean, it all, I mean, it all works together. You know, it's the, the freight we choose would not work for some people because they their cost of doing business is too high. Their work ethic is too low. Their, 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 their service to the customer is not good enough. It works for us. Um, you know, if, if you want to do it the way we do it, then you have to do all the other things too, you know. So, um, you know, the, the people can't get past the rate per mile thing, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or how far you got a deadhead to do it, you know. They get hung up on that, and they forget about all the things that really, really matter because that's what everybody 
That's what all the other people in their circle talk about, you know. Or that's what the guys on Facebook say, you know. He, all this stuff about cheap freight. I've never, ever heard anybody define cheap freight that made any sense to me, but yet everybody talks about it. And everybody haul. I mean, nobody hauls it and everybody's got it, you know. So, um, you know, it, it, it's comprehensive. What we do works because of the things, the way, the way we do things. Um, again, we not, we're not here to sell you on doing it this way. We're just explaining why we do it and how we do it, you know. So um, we're not telling you you have to do it that way. But if you're curious about what we do and how we do it and how we've managed to stay profitable and all these different little bloodbaths that go on and how we, you know, continue to do what we do, that's how we do it. Um, the rates, we don't control the rates. Landstar doesn't control the rates. The customers control the rates, okay? Yep. Rates are controlled by two things, all right? Supply and demand. That's the only two things that run into, and Landstar can't control that. J.B. Hunt can't control that, you know? Uh, right In 2021, everybody and their sister decided to get in the trucking industry, okay? We're talking to them all the time right now. They got in. They paid $250,000 a piece for a bunch of trucks, and now they can't make it work. Well, guess what? That supply is going to go away, all right? And mm -hmm. when enough of it goes away, the demand will go back up. Uh, and when the demand goes back up, the rates will go back up. And it'll, it'll, it'll cycle. And 18 months from now, it'll go through it again. And 18 months from now, it'll go through it again. Uh, we're on an extended cycle right now because of the ELD mandate and the pandemic. You know, those are two things that extended the, the cycle. Normally, we, we would have gone, we would have been in our second cycle now if it weren't for those two things. Mm -hmm. Okay? So it, it, it's, it has nothing to do with anything except number of trucks, number of loads. It, the brokers haven't got anything to do with it. I've got really, really bad news for you guys that love to scratch that, to pick that scab, okay? And, uh, and uh, but it comes to, the brokers don't pay the bill. The shipper writes the check. He's yep. the one that sets the rate. <clears throat> brokers paid on commission rate goes up commission goes up rate goes down commission goes down um <coughs> the, the in 2017 there was a there was a perfect storm of what i call a perfect storm of stupidity you had the eld mandate coming came in december of 2017 and at the same time you had Trump threatening tariffs on everything and everybody. Now, everybody knew and figured out pretty quick that when the ELD mandate came down, it was going to mess up supply and demand because with paper logs, um, you could cheat, and everybody did. The entire industry did. From the inception of the paper log until the ELD was implemented, Everybody cheated like hell. You can pretend like you didn't, but you did. And so an entire industry of service providers told the consumers, well, sure, yeah, I can pick up today and deliver 750, 800 miles away tomorrow. Not a problem. Then the ELD comes in. Guess what? Hey, customer, <clears throat> we can't do for you yesterday or today what we could do for you yesterday. And so now we've completely changed the ability to move freight. And it took more trucks. Well, supply was down now because the demand had changed. Well, then you had this, this ridiculous nonsense about the tariffs. 
And so everybody started buying everything they could get their hands on to get it in warehouses before this tariff was to come, which I don't even think the most of the tariffs that they were threatening ever happened. But it didn't matter. The, the threat was there. So you had this ramp up from the middle of 2017 all through 2018 and 2019 uh, where supply and demand was out of whack. You didn't have enough trucks to run the loads the way they were then. Then uh, just people are just getting in and getting in and getting in and getting in and buying and buying and buying and buying and buying. Well, then 2019, everything kind of cools off. And we didn't have the rates in 2019 that we had in 2018. And it didn't have anything to do with the brokers. It didn't have anything to do with the carriers. It was supply and demand. And then the pandemic hits, and it dropped a nuclear bomb on everything. It screwed up every supply chain. Everything was turned upside down. And here we are, right? So we go, we're, we're in the same cycle of everybody don't know what to do so they're just buying shit like crazy and every inch of of warehouse is full so we don't get a we don't get a christmas bump because nobody's got any room for anything retailers are trying to liquidate stock to make room for more stuff it's just and now we're we're in the hangover now we're there's nothing else to buy the warehouses are full uh, and now there's all these trucks that have really have come in over five years. Have the, some have come and gone, but a lot have come in. Well, when everybody got on this stupid buying spree in 2022 and paying $250,000 for trucks, what an idiot. Well, now that the supply and demand has changed, the rates are not going to support a $5,000 truck payment. Not going to happen unless you never go home which leads me to somebody asked a question. Chris, how are you able to make it at ATS for the three years you were there? I saw a load coming out of Houston going up to Utah for $8,000, but my fleet manager wasn't able to get me the load. Well, number one thing I did at ATS is I never went home. I stayed out eight weeks uh, with a two- and a five-year-old at home. Uh, it's the only way I could survive. I now know, having become a lunatic, that I made about half what I should have made as a owner operator in that time. Uh, but I was on the van division the first two years. And so it was all pad wrap freight. So it was big, stupid, high dollar stuff. I didn't run a lot of miles, but you know, I did make more money there as than I did as a company driver. So, I mean, that part worked, but, um, ATS is not a bad company. ATS has got great freight, especially if you're in uh platform. Uh, but you just got to stay away from this damn leases because they'll suck the life out of you. With how you guys lunatic a truck, how often do you get breakdowns percent-wise? I would venture, I guess, a whole lot less than if you're driving a 2020, 21. Well, even when we do have a, quote, breakdown, whatever whatever that means, uh, you mean on the side of the road? Rarely, okay? Rarely. You mean we have to put it in the shop and fix something? Well, I mean, I don't know. Listen, when I when I when my truck was a was a twenty was a twenty two thousand seven, and I bought it in two thousand nine, so it was two years old. There was hardly a week I didn't do something to it, you know, mm-hmm. in maintenance. Um, but 
but taking you out of service or taking you off of freight, uh, it, I, I can't put a percentage. It would be, it would be minimal uh, because it, they're not hard to fix. And I don't have to go sit in a waiting room in a dealership to get them fixed. You know, I can take, like Kara said, I can put, I can open up the, the, the truck pages and I can throw a dart and pick somebody. He'll be there in three or four hours and he can fix it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I write him a check for a couple hundred bucks and go on about my merry way. Because I didn't need a def sensor. I didn't need a one box. I didn't need any of that shit, you know, that most people have to have. And the stuff I need is not, not on a ship in the Pacific Ocean waiting to be unloaded by longshoremen. <clears throat> I mean, I've, we've got one right now that um, I had to put it down out of service for kingpins. And if I had the information then that I do now, the truck would have been up and running in about two weeks. So little, little lesson, you have two steering knuckles, right? And they trying to get my, and they connect on a kingpin, right? So they can turn. Well, if a truck is not maintained properly, and your kingpins are not kept greased, that kingpin can damage the axle eyes on the end of the axle where the kingpin goes through, and it can also damage the knuckles. So uh, I'm trying to reduce the story so it's not an hour and a half long, but basically the axle eyes and the knuckles were worn. And so there's a, there's a company called Axle Doctor that you can – that you can hire, and they'll come, and they'll bore and sleeve those axle eyes. Well, we were going to do that, and then, well, we get a junkyard axle. We went back and forth and all these different things. The problem came down to the fact that the driver's side knuckle is unavailable. I can't find it anywhere. Uh, and if I could find it, it's about $1,800. And the passenger side knuckle was like $1,200. So we're talking $3,000 for knuckles. Larry remembered a conversation that we had with the axle surgeon people at the truck show in 2019 that those knuckles could be repaired. So I made a couple of phone calls, and I found out that there was a machine shop in Columbus, Ohio, that could repair these knuckles for 500 bucks. Now I know that they could have done the axle too. So for about $950 plus my travel time to Columbus and back, I could have had all of this repaired and been back together in a week, week and a half maybe, you know, time to tear it down, travel up there, get it done, bring it back, put it all back together. Truck probably could have been up in a week if I would have had that information. And that's one of those intangibles um, that we come to through experience, right? So at least now I know that that is at least an option to me when I have the ability. Now this here's another little side piece for you is I'm talking to this guy at this machine shop and they did a masterful job. Um, but these guys are not being replaced. There's nobody to take this guy's place and he's in his sixties, you know? Um, you know, so we need the people to stop buying the live, you know, you just go get a college degree. We need some people to learn how to machine stuff. We need people to learn how to weld stuff. We need we desperately need someone to take the shoes uh, or to fill the shoes of these people that are going out. 
um, because, you know, now I'm putting this truck back together uh, for a fraction of the cost. I mean, it was going to be $6,000, you know, but to roll back to that comment about the liberty and, you know, do we have choices that we make? This is the kind of stuff, you know, that we learn through experience. So at least now I know I have that option where I didn't have it before. Uh, but that's the most extreme example. Um, you know, now that, you know, we, we've got a, we've got a Volvo now that, that has a transmission that keeps breaking. Um, but you know, um, but trucks are going to break down. And like Larry said, if you're maintaining them properly, you're doing something every week, but they're little things. When I had a truck, I avoided the shop at all costs because I didn't have money. You know, when I came to work for Larry and I would come in on the weekend and, and I would, I'd leave the truck at the TA and they'd do something. And my wife's like, well, it seems like they're working on these trucks an awful lot. And I'm like, well, yeah, but we do lots of little things along the way to keep the big things from ever coming. Now that truck he's talking about is a 1999 with way over a million, 400,000 miles on it. Correct. So it's not like it owes us anything. Okay. Right. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not a, uh, <laughs> It's not like, oh, we got a new truck and we got to spend, we got to put knuckles in it. No, it's it's, it's a nineteen ninety nine, but which by the way we paid how much for it, Chris? Seventeen. Seventeen was it seventeen? Yeah, mm -hmm. seventeen thousand dollars for it. Um. So. Um, so yeah, yeah. Larry, why is a fleet air filter better than an OEM air filter? The better side of Kyla, I'll tell you. Okay. Your OEM air filter is made out of paper, and the better it, the more dirty it gets, the better it filters. But it doesn't let air through. So with a fleet air filter, you're replacing the paper with foam, oiled foam. So it filters better than the paper does, but it doesn't restrict the airflow. Matter of fact, it improves the airflow. And the way it's designed, there's actually like a, uh, a, a um, what's the word I want to use? It, it, it makes the air go through. It, it has a funnel or something. I, don't, I can't. Help me here, Chris. Like the, cyclonic? Yeah, cy there you go, cyclonic. It, 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 instead of the air just going straight through it, it goes through and turns into a little cyclone. It actually improves airflow. It improves it so well that we want to put a straight pipe muffler on it so that it goes out as well as it comes in. So we use a Pittsburgh Power or some type of of um, uh, performance muffler that doesn't have baffles in it. So that's the that's the main difference. It, it filters perfect from the from day one because of the oil on the foam, and and it's another thing is that you don't ever replace it. So it's lifetime. You know, mm -hmm. um, I mean, you might have to replace the foam every once in a while if you get too exuberant when you're cleaning it and tear it up, but. Uh, usually you don't, if, if it's your truck, you won't do that. Only if you have a driver in, does that happen? Um, but, uh, yeah, look at a fleeter and look them up. They'll, they'll probably got a little video or something that, that you can see. Um, but, um, we, we highly recommend it and I don't get paid. They're not a sponsor either, by the way. I don't get paid for that one. So, um, here's a good one that everybody ought to hear. Rocky's in the comments and Evan says, Rocky, how often do you have new trucks that are misaligned straight from the factory? Rocky's answer. All of, all them. of them. Yeah, yeah. Every 
single truck is at, and Mike Beckett does a great presentation on this, and he explains that they have about nine minutes, uh, if they even do the alignment, they have nine minutes, okay? And so the build spec for Freightliner is like this wide. Well, the performance spec for MD is like this big, right? And so, I mean, your, your axles can be pointing left or right at Freightliner, and they're in spec. And your, your steers can be towed out, towed in. It's in spec. The problem there is the hunter machine, you know, at the TA is programmed with the build specs. So it can be off this way and off that way and one axle pointed one way and one pointed the other way, and it's all in spec. And so, you know, you get the guy with the name on his shirt, and it goes green, and he's like, ah, we're good. But then you watch Rocky do an alignment, and you've got, you've got an axle pointed this way, an axle pointed that way. You've got your steer set, your toe is set. And your truck magically goes straight down the road. It's fast. It, it doesn't wear tires. Uh, I'm going to give you another. Here's a freebie I'm going to give you. MDAlign.com. MDAlign.com. Go there. There's videos on there that you can watch, and you'll understand what we just talked about. Um, he, he will explain that whole process. Um, you, anybody that, that, that's, that owns a truck uh, should understand tires and alignment. Uh, tires are one of your biggest expenses. And all the time we see people, how often do your tires last? How often do your tires last? How, how come my tires wearing here and wearing there? And they'll just put a tire on it, and they'll get one of those computer alignments, and they're putting the tire right back on again because they didn't fix anything. So it would uh, be well worth your money to learn a little bit about tires and alignment. Uh, Mike Beckett's got three books. Two of them are online. Two of them are digital, which you can just download. One of them mm-hmm. you got to order. Uh, and then these videos that uh, are on his website. And, uh, and he puts on a seminar every once in a while. Uh, you can probably find all the information on there. He also has a podcast called Rolling Toe uh, where you can uh, ask him questions. But uh, I, uh, he is the, uh, he's the world's foremost expert on truck alignment and uh, truck suspension. All right, so I'm going to do two here in a row. <clears throat> Royal Rise, how do you calculate cost per mile? Well, mm. um, you take the cost and you divide it by, <laughs> the, by miles. the miles. <laughs> All right. So if you spent $10,000 and you drove 2,000 miles, um, your cost is uh, $2, right? You know? Um, well, let's, let's describe cost <clears throat> because it, it's it's – it's harder to get to than than you think unless you're keeping records okay mm-hmm. the first record you got to have is you got to have you have to know exactly what the miles are not paid miles but all miles so for whatever time period you're trying to to figure this for a week a day a month a year a load you have to have the beginning and ending odometer period all miles mm-hmm. trucks don't travel for free even when they're empty okay so that's the first thing you have to have. Second thing you have to have is all of your fixed and variable expenses for that same time period, okay? So you're going to get all the fixed expenses probably from your settlement. All the variable expenses are going to be things that you spent, okay? Um, so, you know, without an accounting system or without some way of keeping up with these things, you're going to have a hard time coming up with an accurate cost per mile. And, oh, by the way, you're part of that cost. If you're not paying yourself, 
then you're going to have to factor in what it would cost you to pay someone to do the job you did uh, because people don't work for either. So, um, so all the cost in a given period of time, both fixed and variable, um, the, uh, including the driver, um, divided by the number of miles you drove is your cost per mile. Uh, it's very simple. And it changes. We do ours every week. So it's, uh, it's going to vary, especially when fuel uh, changes as much as it did this, this past year. Uh, it, can, it can change drastically. Um, if you have a lot of maintenance costs, it's going to change drastically. So you can't just do it once and go, well, that's it. That's, that's not it. it. It changes all the time. So. But that's how you do it. Um, <coughs> do, we have a, do we have an episode on cost per mile, Chris? Uh, we got 144 of them. It comes up a lot. Now that we did that question, I'm going to answer this question. How do you figure out what to adjust your rates to and when, both up and down? Well, it starts with that first question. <laughs> You've got to have that one first. All right. So when you know what your cost per mile is, um, then you can look and say, okay, well, how much revenue do we got to generate? All right, so uh, let's say I think at one I, now our cost was a buck thirty five for everything, but that's when the fuel was at its highest, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just gonna say a buck thirty five. All right, using the BSE nine thousand, and let's say we're gonna drive twenty nine hundred miles. That's three thousand nine hundred and fifteen dollars that that truck has to earn pay the cost and that pay that we're talking about paying him and paying me and paying the driver and paying the fuel and paying the maintenance, everything. Okay. So to get that number of what the truck is going to make, I've got to divide it by 0.7 because I've got to get to the gross number and the gross number is a, you know, we, the truck's going to earn about 70% of the rate at Landstar. So divided by 0.7 is $5,592 and 85 cents. That is our cost, okay? In order for everybody to get paid, driver, salaries, maintenance, fixed cost, variable cost, whatever, anything and everything it takes to operate that truck, we need $5,592 in gross revenue. Well, when we looked at the rates in the market, at what the market was doing in 2021 and 2022, and we saw what was possible that if we did five loads in a week, picked up and delivered every day, we could do about $2,000 a day. All right. So we set it at 10000 Then we looked at the year 2022 that we did 83%. Well, 83% of 10000 is 8300 But we know the market's cooling off. Rates are not what they were six and eight months ago. So we just went, well, the, the cost is the cost. So we dropped it to 8000 Now, I don't have my spreadsheets open right now, but Larry could probably look. I bet you anything, we're real close to 100%. You know, um, we, we, we missed it by like $50 this week. You know, so we're, we're right on it. Yeah. So, but again, it has to start at knowing what your cost is. All right? If you don't know your cost, you cannot even begin to think about cheap freight right because for us cheap freight is a dollar 34 our do- our cost is a buck 35 
So cheap freight is a dollar thirty four. Yeah, but so, you're, and, you're killing the market for everybody else, Chris, when you haul that freight. You know that if you wouldn't haul that, they'd have to raise the rates. Can you see my tongue firmly implanted <laughs> in my cheek? Somebody said eighty one must be the uh, cost per mile. I saw that episode eighty one. Yeah. Um, somebody mm. asked a question about tires. Let me look up here. Uh, what lunatic here? Do this one, Chris. What lunatic? I can't make mine show. There you go. Which lunatic mod- truck modifications produce the fastest return on investment? I need to know what to aim for first. Well, I would say the OPS does. Because you can pay for the OPS in three oil changes. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's money in your pocket. Um, tires are a big one, especially if you have shitty tires. But you're going to have to spend money to make money on that one. So it's going to pay for itself, but it may take a, few, a while to do it. Because uh, you're going to spend, you know, five or six thousand dollars for tires, uh, and you're going to have to, you're going to, you'll make that back and more. I mean, we've again, we've got an episode that covers that. I don't know which one it is, but um, but it's it it probably makes the biggest difference, but it makes it over a period of the lifetime of the tires. You know, think about tires. The longer they last, the, either the more they cost you, because if it if it's if it's not saving you money, or it, more it saves you. Depends on. The longer it is, the it could be a it could be a a, a, a good thing or a bad thing. If you've mm-hmm. got bad tires, and they're costing you fuel mileage, it, the more you run, the more it's costing you. You're better off just throw them away. We've heard Kevin said that all the time. Pull over to the side, take the tires, and leave them in the in the in the ditch, and go get all new tires, and you'd be better off. And that's true. Um, but um, but it takes a while to make that investment back. You're not gonna make it back right away. An OPS three oil changes, it's paid for. And mm-hmm. now you're saving. I see, and if you'll look at the episode 108, I think it is, mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, the lifetime of the truck that I was in, uh, I saved enough to buy a brand new non-lunatic truck. Okay, I could have paid. I could have went out and paid cash for a truck with what I saved in oil changes, uh, in um, uh, one and a half million miles, 1.4 million miles. Um, as far as finding the tires on LCAP, that can be a little tricky because there's, there's two different drive options and I, I never go to it the first time. I always have to click through, but you go in there to the LCAP site and you select the tire size, I think first 22.5, and then there's one drive and you have to tab through, but you're looking for the 455, 55, 445. Four, I'm sorry, 445, 55, 22.5. That's what you're looking for. The answer to the question is it, LCAP, it's in the LCAP program. Whether you find it on the website or not, they will, um, they will let you buy them. So uh, that's all we buy. So Now, understand something. Uh, every wide, every wide-base single Michelin is not necessarily a lunatic tire, okay? The grip is not. We're only looking for the uh, whatever the most current iteration is, uh, energy uh, line energy D plus or whatever the whatever the latest thing is, but it, but LCAP will will certainly cover it. Absolutely. Now, if you're getting four at a time, it has to go up to upper management to get approved. So you won't get a number right away. You'll have to call you back in a couple hours. But if you're getting two or less, uh, you'll get approved just like you do anything else. So. Mm-hmm. Would you buy a 90, 
1997 cab over with 850,000 miles and run it. Um, <coughs> would probably, I? Probably, yeah. No, I would not. But not because of the 97, because <coughs> of the cab over. Yeah. Um, well, I've driven a couple of cab overs, and, and I, didn't, I didn't mind them. I mean, they're, they're obviously great for, you know, tight quarters. Um, probably you're going to run into in cab overs is most of the market at that time, uh, or really the market for cab overs at that time, was Schneider, Swift, J.B. Hunt. And they didn't order them with very good engines. Um, you know, so, you know, if I, I mean, if I, as a first truck, you know, and it was, it checked off every box, and it was a 12.7 Detroit, and it had the right gears, and it had the right transmission, and it was a first truck, and I could get into it, yeah, you know, for five or $10,000, the problem is finding parts for those trucks is going to be challenging, you know, um, especially the internationals. They don't make them anymore. You know, the freight liners were basically FLDs. Um, but remember that um, success in business is managing risk. So at this point in 2023, a 1997, you've got a picture of an international, um, in your th thing. So a 1997 international cab over, even with low miles, is just going to add some risk to your operation that you don't need when you can swing a dead cat and hit a Freightliner Century or Columbia. So um, I would and, say no. That would and, not be the And best. every time you work on it, you want to put everything back in your bunk. <laughs> right. That's why I won't, I won't drive it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, work on, I, I, used to, I work on my truck a lot. And uh, I don't want to have to rearrange the cab. You know, I did that once when I went to Canada. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do that again, okay? So. I did it one time with that load of potatoes where they put you on the platform and they raise your truck they raise up you in up, the air. It up, yeah. And they yeah. shake it, you yeah. know, and then they set it back down and everything inside the cab is destroyed. Um, now, Steve, uh, X1, X, is that right for the That's new correct. one? That's correct. That is correct. Okay, because yeah. God, they change the damn model. Yeah, number. they do. They do. They do. Uh, but that's as correct. long. Just do not get the open shoulder. It's called a grip. Grip. The rolling resistance on a grip sucks. Um, so don't do that. But you want the closed shoulder X line, X one line energy D two. Um, now you you all know we're a huge fan of singles. Okay, but. If you're that guy and you cannot do singles for whatever, Purple Yeti makes a good point. The the dual tire in that same model is very, very, very close. Mm -hmm. And if you'll run the cat size, you know, where the, the tire pressure is, is equalized between the two, uh, that's okay. I mean, that's, that's a better way of doing it. I would still prefer the singles. But if you're just going to be, you know, a hard ass and not listen to anybody, at least do it that way. So you can still run your tire pressure monitors on the cat's eye, and the cat's eye will keep both tires It's the exact same. It, it eliminates the problem that we have with running duels because the inside tire is going to always be inflated and underinflated. So this yeah. at least fixes that. So, um, but that's what, uh, but that's, that's correct, Purple Yeti. You're, you're, a good, uh, you're a good soldier in the lunatic army for bringing that up. Thank you, sir. Yeah, um, it, it and and let's be clear, the inside tire on the duels is not 
underinflated because of the tire. It's underinflated so because of the, the idiot behind the wheel yeah. that won't check, check the t- it, in, yeah. and it's too hard to inflate it. So, or they can't tell it's underinflated because they're using a thumper. Okay, I will give a hundred dollars right now to anybody that can go out and thump tires and tell me what the air pressure is in them. Okay, <laughs> you cannot tell the difference between one that is overinflated or underinflated by forty pounds with a tire thumper. Uh, so that's that doesn't work. And and a tire pressure monitoring system is what, Chris? Three hundred bucks. Four hundred bucks. Four or four hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And what's a tire? What's what's a single? You know, retail sixteen hundred retail. Mm-hmm. So. By the way, this is I'm going to uh, toast to uh, Kelly uh, for the Willet. Thank you, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Purple Yeti is the librarian of the Blue Ribbon Podcast. <laughs> we need hey uh how about a how about a producer can we find one of those out there yeah uh oh somebody's asking any luck on getting steve cron on the show we need to do that yeah when i talked to him up at bco days he's willing to do it we just got to make it happen he you know he he doesn't he has a very erratic schedule but we could we could we can do that thanks for reminding me we'll put that on the on the to-do list uh i can i can get him phone call I can, we might have to find a date when he, he is not, I, the last time I talked to him, Sunday nights aren't good for him. We may have to record his, or we can do him on a Saturday night while we're up in, uh, while we're in orientation somewhere. Uh, also, well, it's, it's a little far out. Uh, um, well, we'll, we'll do it. It's too far. Out. I was going to talk about truck show schedule and Super Bowl's coming up. We got some conflicts that we're going to have to announce but mm-hmm. i don't think we want to be on uh having a podcast on super bowl sunday i think most people are gonna would much rather watch football than watch us so, so that's we gotta debatable s- we got to decide whether we're going to go on saturday night or monday night or friday night or yeah take the weekend off or <clears throat> yeah we should be on saturday or sunday depending on you know like i said the um the uh, um uh, the January 28th episode will be on Saturday with yeah. Steve. Yeah. Um, when we're, we're, we're in West Virginia doing orientation, I'm traveling on Sunday night to get back. So that's why we don't do it. So we do it Saturday nights when we're in West Virginia. Um, and we'll be doing one about every six weeks this year. Cause that's how our program works. So, um, and we'll of course announce that far in advance. Are we going to the truck show? Yes, we're going to the truck show. Uh, we will be, uh, we are going to be incognito on Thursday because otherwise we don't get to see the show. So we're, yeah. we're going to wear disguises and you can't, I'm going to wear like a, a long uh, blonde wig and, and, uh, and high heels. No, I'm just kidding. He'll be, he'll be wearing a, a Louisville Cardinals shirt. Yeah, we're going to be in disguise because we we have we can't see the show unless we go Thursday and not tell anybody we're there. So forget I said that. Friday we'll be at either the Landstar booth or the Pittsburgh Power booth, and Saturday will be the opposite. I don't know which one's going to be yet, but depends on what our obligations are. Um, and so, uh, but yes, we'll be there, and we'll let you know where we're going to be. We're going to do a podcast from the truck show this year, actually. So, um, so yeah, we'll be there. And then uh, all the Blue Ribbon family, we will be getting together again on Friday night. So, um, like we did last year. How are we going to do a podcast from the truck show? That'll be interesting. We'll have to do it Saturday night, I guess, from the hotel. 
That'll be fun. <laughs> I say we do it from some bar. That, well, that, that bar that's in the lobby. We need, we need to rename that bar the CJ Bar. <laughs> yeah. That tequila. Blessing. Uh, <coughs> well, um, so like I said, we're next week we're going to do a breakdown of the master class 2023. Um, so we can kind of explain, um, how it works now. Cause it's quite a bit different. Um, and then the week after that will be Steve Wheeler and all of the accounting and LLC stuff. So I think we've answered all the, all the questions. Uh, Richie's going to be doing security during the podcast. So in case any of y'all get rowdy, (laughs) I'm sure he'll be there with an arsenal. Talk about Fox in the hen house. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think we can, we can shut this one down for now. Um, and, uh, we will be back with you. It's awful early, isn't it? What time is it? Ten seventeen. Ten seventeen. We're not giving him the money's worth. Uh, I do. Well, I do want to. I do want to compliment. I'm not going to say his name because I don't have his permission. But we uh, took on a new mentoring client this week, and uh, first time, first time I've ever had this happen. But in the interview, I asked him about his numbers mm-hmm. for 2022 and his numbers for 2021, and by God, he produced them. And, uh, and produced them and produced them in like a minute. Um, so, uh, I, you know, you, you know who you are. I'm not going to say your name cause I didn't ask you if I could, but, uh, very impressive, very impressive. And, you know, the kind of help he needs, you know, he, he just, he, he, he'll, he, he'll be fine. He's going to be, he's going to mm-hmm. be fine. So, um, <clears throat> what's this question? <sighs> The profit to fuel, fuel rate. You talking rate. about percentage of revenue? Yeah, probably. If you're if you're talking about fuel costs as percentage of revenue, um, well, I mean it it it, it it's it's a, it's just an, it's just a percentage. So if your whatever your gross revenue is, okay. So whatever your whatever your top line revenue is, okay. Uh, divided by your total fuel cost. That's a percentage, expressed in a percentage. Um, benchmark is probably going to be mid-20s. Uh, horrible is going to be 30, and really, really good is going to be un- 20 or under, you know. So 20% talking about. So um, that's, that, that's what that number means, you know. So um, do you have our percentage of revenue for last year for the whole tw- fleet? 21 yeah, that'll work. Twenty-one. Some we have. The, our best truck was seventeen, so it depends on the truck. But as a fleet, we're at twenty-one, um, and that was with fuel being as expensive as it was last year. But remember, our fuel surcharge went up as well. So, if you're watching your cost per mile on fuel every week, and and it's easy to do with fuel gauges, okay? If you'll enter in your fuel cost, real cost, discounted cost. Not what you, not what the pump says, what you, what you actually paid with your card or however you pay for your fuel. At Landstar, it's easy. You get a, a card activity statement in the week. You know exactly what you paid for it, um, and you divide that by your the the miles. You you'll get a cost per mile. We get one every week for every truck. You know, 
and look at your look at your uh, fuel surcharge and just make sure that you're less than that. You know, so uh, fuel surcharge surcharge changes every Tuesday afternoon. So, and remember, this all comes down the ability to uh, get these numbers comes from good habits. All right, and you know we preach our policy is that your fuel uh, your fuel transaction is recorded in fuel gauges and your receipt scanned to Dropbox before you leave the fuel island. Then you don't have to worry about it. It's done. Uh, daily or weekly accounting. You've got to have the habits. You've got to keep the receipts. You've got to categorize the receipts. And if you're going to do your accounting once a week, you've got to have everything in a place where you can find it. Now, with the digital stuff that you have nowadays, um, you know, you can create files in iCloud or Google Drive or Dropbox, whatever it is, and you need to have a filing system so that when you go to do your accounting for the week, you can look into that folder and there's fuel and there's maintenance and there's whatever else you bought. And then you categorize it, you account for it, and then the numbers will begin to produce themselves. But if you have garbage for accounting, and you're not keeping your receipts, and you're not tracking every dime, and you're not doing this stuff, then these numbers are going to be useless to you because you're not going to know, and you're not going to have any way of, of doing it. So the, ha the daily habits is where you win this battle. And, and, and it, you'll find it takes less and less time to do it that way. You know, you're like right now, I know a bunch of you are probably out here trying to get everything together for your tax accountant, and it's a pain in the ass. But think about it. If you kept every one of those by week or by month or whatever, uh, it, would be, it would be very, very easy to do. The main things you need are your settlement, your fuel card activity. Um, if you, and, and, look, you guys should all have a business checking account that's separate from your personal checking account. And you should have at least one business credit card that's not mingled with personal. If you'll do those things, if you have the credit card statement, your bank statement, your fuel card statement, your settlement, you're most of the way there. The only thing you don't have is what you paid cash for out of your pocket. And actually, you should use that business credit card and not doing that anyway. You know, just pay it at the end of the month. Don't carry a balance. But that will make it very, very easy to, um, to, to keep up with this. And it doesn't take very much at all. <clears throat> and your and your accountant's going to either number one they'll lower the price that they charge you to do it. The less work they have to do, the less you have to pay. And here's the best thing about all this, okay? If you just don't, if you ignore this and let your accountant take care of it, you don't know what the numbers are. Like this fuel to revenue number, you you, know, you wouldn't have you have no idea what you're paying in tolls. You have no idea what percentage of your of your um, revenue goes for maintenance. You know, you, you, with you do the numbers yourself every week or certainly every month, you know right away what the trend, trends are. You know, you're, you're managing your business. You shouldn't, you know, we're, we, I used to do fuel mileage every week for all of our drivers, okay? Starting this year, I'm making them do it. Now, I check it, you know, but what good is it for me to do it for them? You know, uh, if they have to do it themselves, then all of a sudden, let's, guess what? I, those numbers mean something more to them. So we're kind of gradually weaning these guys into doing, and this is just the one, one step towards that direction. we got other things planned for them. But uh, getting, in, getting these habits instilled in you so that you're running your business, you know. you got to quit thinking about driving a truck. 
is you got to start, start thinking about running a business um, because they're both important. Um, but you can't really do one successfully without the other and be profitable. And they even know you're profitable. Just because you've got money in your pocket or money in your bank account does not mean you're profitable because that money's not yours, okay? It's not yours. You still got to pay your taxes. Still got to pay your bills. <clears throat> it can be deceiving. Yeah. And it's and, and it, I mean it it sounds simple when he's and it really is because I've I've watched it, you know ours is like clockwork, you know. Wednesday the settlement comes, he does all the accounting, he sets up the payroll. I I went to his house and watched him do it. It's an all-day job for a fleet. But if you are keeping your receipts, um, writing your mileage down, uh, all the other thing that we were talking about on modifications, uh, something that will uh, earn its keep is a scan gauge uh, to give you instant feedback on your driving habits to get your fuel mileage up. But there again, you know, you can watch the scan gauge and you can improve it. But if you don't have the feedback that comes from the accounting that says, wow, my, my, my fuel this week was up 10%. What, what did I do? What, what decisions did I make? Did I not buy it in the right place? Was I driving too fast? Was I idling too much? Uh, because you can, you can swing it uh, 10, 10 or 15% in the wrong direction if you're not paying attention. Well, if you don't have that feedback from doing your accounting, you're not going to know where the problems are. Now think about that number that he asked about. Okay, now he said it wrong. He said profit, but <clears throat> think about that. Fuel is going to be somewhere between twenty and thirty percent of your gross revenue, not profit. Gross revenue. That that's a big expense. That's a huge expense. The only one that's bigger is your is what you pay yourself, probably. <clears throat> So if you can affect the, the difference between 30% and 20% of your gross revenue, big yep. number, big, big number. So it's a very important that you, you – and fuel, fuel costs can be managed. It's probably the easiest cost there is to manage because most of it is decisions. You know, how fast you're going to drive, how stupid you're going to be, how, how much time you'll spend buying fuel on sale. And having a fuel, a fuel uh, uh, purchasing strategy, uh, yeah, it takes a little bit of work. But you, you can cut an expense 10% of your revenue, gross revenue, I, I think it's worth it, okay? That's the difference sometimes between people making it and not. That's your number one expense. And everything that, that causes it to go up or down can be controlled by you. Everything. Uh, would y'all say BCO biz manager would be good to start off with? No. Um, if, if you're not going to do QuickBooks, you could use profit gauges, but I would not use the, cause it's the specialization for Landstar, a business of business. You have, you have revenue, you have expenses, you have profit, you have fixed, you have variable. Um, there's not really anything special about Landstar when it comes to accounting. Um, so, no, I mean, you could use profit gauges is a good starting place, uh, but we can also set you up with QuickBooks and show you how to do 
proper double entry accounting. Uh, will scan gauge work on a 2020 Freightliner? I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, uh, I mean, it, it plugs into the nine pin harness and, and it should, or the, the, what you call it? Nine pin, uh, diagnostic, diagnostic port. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could be a malfunctioning scan gauge, you know, uh, call the scan gauge. There's a support line there. Yeah. Yeah. Support line. Um, does your automatic truck get better fuel? We don't have any automatics. Uh, all of ours are manuals. Uh, we had, we had two automatics. They were pie cars. Um, and, uh, all those trucks told me was that when the driver drives with his foot flat on the floor, uh, it gets bad fuel mileage, you know, so it's, it's, it's a driver. Well, um, there's a, there's a couple myths there. there the, the myth is if you, if you use your cruise control and you have an automatic, you'll automatically get better fuel mileage. And that's, that's completely false. Okay. 100%. You might, but it's got nothing to do with those two things. It has everything to do with you as the driver, you know? So, uh, you know, just because you buy a truck with an automatic does not mean you're going to, fuel mileage is going to go up, uh, over the same truck with a manual. My bet would be I could do, I could outdrive the, the automatic with a manual fuel mileage wise. Not to mention all the other aspects of driving the truck. But, you know, again, me telling the truck what to do instead of the truck telling me what to do was why I would never have an automatic. Not to mention the cost. Yeah. Uh, but, and, 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 uh, same Risk. thing with, same thing with, uh, with, um, cruise control. Unless yeah. you live in Kansas. And even then, you'll be gradually going up a hill and not know it. And yeah. getting worse. Especially going west. You'll be up that one degree. Yep. The whole, side, the whole state. So, all right. Well, I'm, I'm like you now. I'm going to, I think we're good here. Um, well, next week, as part of the 2023 Masterclass, we'll talk about the mentoring program. We'll talk about our accounting help. You know, we can show you how to set up all this stuff uh, if you're looking for mentoring. Um, especially if you're a BCO. It's hard for us to work with anybody that's not at Landstar. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll break all these programs down in detail, make it to where, you know, you can understand what we're doing. You guys that want to bring trucks here, we're going to touch on that a little bit too next week, that program. So mm -hmm. uh, all that stuff's updated in our, on the website. So if you guys haven't been there for a while, it's, it looks different. And that information in there has all been updated. So it's, it's all there. It's pretty pretty transparent everything everything's there you know we're just going to go over it and answer questions and delve into it a little bit so um we um we've got we've had a great response i mean uh, we've got probably more people coming right now than we have trucks uh so we are looking for trucks by the way we're picking we're, we got one coming this week from a bco so if you guys got um got trucks sitting around that are paid for um especially if it's a lunatic truck um, get reach out to us. We might uh, want to talk to you about running it for you. And uh, if you, again, if you want to know the details, just uh, email me, Larry at blueribbonlogistics.com, and I'll be happy to send you the information. So, yep. All right, y'all. We're going to shut her down. We'll see y'all back next weekend, uh, Sunday night at 9 o'clock. You guys have a great week, okay? See you.